This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is sponsored by the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists. For more about UBCP Actra, visit ubcp.com. That's ubcp.com. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart to the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Firminger, and today I'm delighted to welcome Marcy T. House to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Okay, so here's, I told you there's a thesis statement coming, Marcy, okay. so here oh. it is. I'm scared. <laughs> you, sh- you should be. Okay, here we go. Marcy T. House is a remarkable actress. Now that's not an empty statement. Marcy is undeniably and objectively remarkable. Her performances are haunting, whether on screen or on stage. Now, select screen credits include the role of Chief Deborah Dunn on Picture Perfect Mysteries, Michelle in Timeless, Lieutenant DeVore in I, Zombie, the voice of Angela in Tarzan and Jane, Police Chief Jennifer Wells in Motive, and my favorite Marcy T. House screen performance, that of Ruby Slaughter in Strange Empire, CBC's Fearless and Gone Too Soon, Gone Too Soon Amen. Western, that was set on the Alberta-Montana border a couple of years after Confederation, and told stories from our nation's past that had long gone untold about women, miners, railroad builders, Civil War refugees, mystics, Métis, and the grim realities of life and death in the wilderness. And FYI, it's not lily white in our history. It's diverse, and that is what the show showed us. Mm -hmm. So this month, we'll see Marcy in a new role, that of Mrs. Harrison in Netflix's highly anticipated series, Julie and the Phantoms, about a teenage girl who finds her passion for music and life with the help of a band of teen boys who have been dead for 25 years. (laughs) I've beheld, beholden? Let's go with beheld. Marcy on stage in multiple Vancouver productions, inhabiting roles that are wildly different from each other and yet all displaying a kind of quiet intensity that rocks me to my core. Okay, I'm looking at you because here I'm going to try to say that play title. Lysistrata? Yeah! Woo! There you go. Lysistrata, the one with the pool noodles. Sweat. Disgraced. The last of which also featured friends of the podcast, Patrick Sabangi and Kira Zagorski. I'm haunted by Marcy's work, all of Marcy's work. So today, today, let's find out the hows and whys of what makes this undeniably and objectively remarkable artist tick. Marcy (laughs) Teahouse. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Wow, thank you. I I, I kind of want to go meet me. <laughs> you you, hey, what you did sound I say amazing. There's there nothing that was, it's all undeniable and ob, it's objectively true. Oh, wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm very humble. Do That's you ever high. say what the T stands for or is that like, is that swathed in mystery? 
that's swast. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's just my middle initial. My middle name is Tamara. Tamara. Yeah. yeah. Marcy Tamara. Hi. I love knowing <laughs> middle names. Hi, Marcy Tamara. House. How you doing? Okay. So. Um, I wish our listeners could have listened to everything we were talking about, uh, talking about beforehand. And uh, you don't get a chance to do that, but I will say we were talking about our favorite like coffees from like the '80s and '90s, including those international house ones that were in the little the little tins, and um, it was fantastic. So, so we're gonna bring that into into this episode. First, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you the question that I've been asking everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if now. I'm, I'm hoping that somebody's listening to this episode a year in the future, mm-hmm. and we're on the other side of the pandemic. And so I have oh. to remind them, like, <laughs> so we're recording when it was still the pandemic before mm-hmm. we got that awesome vaccine, and mm-hmm. everybody got vaccinated, and and also we solved all of the social justice issues, and and it's it's a wonderful time oh, to be man. alive. Oh man! Um, but we're still like at least a week before all of that happens. <laughs> so I'm going to ask okay. you, how, how are you? How am I? Th- thank you for asking. Uh, I am. I'm OK. Yeah. I'm OK. You know, this pandemic has been uh, it's been tough, you know, for a plethora of reasons. And uh, I um, it's been tough on everyone, you know, and I, I can think of my uh, my own incidents or own reality of my own life but it's sad listening to the others you know as well i know uh, september 3rd just yes yesterday yesterday yeah yeah yes time is a trampoline i know it's like I, I don't know I, I never know what day of the week it is or what the date is because it all just seems so futile like what who cares like yeah everything the importance is off you know yeah and so the importance of counting and marking counting, time yeah, yeah exactly and so you know and and just in the states you know they lifted the moratorium on uh evictions so that's 40 million evictions that's more people that's more people than we have in canada 40 million evictions 40 million evictions that's that's what's on the board right now you know and and you try like we were talking about you know what we see on social media and the doom scrolling the doom the doom scrolling yeah. and you know you try to you can't look away yeah. you know you're not supposed to look away you you shouldn't look away but you know but sometimes you have to look away because it's just all so heavy yeah. you know and uh and so but I was watching yesterday as they were serving some of those evictions and putting people out and you know and I hear you know the the officer that was basically being interviewed he was the officer that was having to serve these evictions and you know he was saying well this is my job and I have to do this I'm like you don't have to do anything yeah you don't have to do anything yeah you know where are these supposed to, you don't supposed have to be a foot soldier for evil you don't have to be it's like you know yeah. I look at you never in you read the the messages you you read the the comments after and everyone and and, and it's heartbreaking the lack of humanity in people yeah. you know and that's what's very heartbreaking it's like you you scroll and you read how people are responding and say well you know well the the, the landlords they have to pay their mortgage too I'm like no one's in line to get these apartments yeah so whether they're there or not, the landlords are not going to get their rent paid. Yeah, it's and it's honestly, you know? if people saw this coming, yeah, like mm-hmm. months ago, sure, you know. Sure. So it mm-hmm. was up to uh, the the people in mm-hmm. charge mm-hmm. to see it and address it, so it doesn't happen. Don't care, you know. So. so it's it's so it's so you see stories like that, and so some days are are tougher than others. Yeah. You know? So what have <laughs> been some of your um. 
Well, I know one of the answers for this <laughs> because I follow you on social media, so I know this. Like you, your your tweets are often like you retweet something that hits me like a like an emotional gut punch. Mm-hmm. But you've quote tweeted it, so you just go, hmm. And I'm like, uh-oh, Marcy's saying hmm about this. I've got to take a moment to... Mm-hmm. And then also, so there are those tweets, mm-hmm. and then there are your plant tweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know you spent a lot of the COVID. Um, I spent all of the COVID. <laughs> like, that's what I Tending did. to plants, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a person uh, that falls into addictions very easily. Yeah. But it, they became very addictive, you know, during the pandemic. They, you know, the quarantine time. It's like, what do you do? Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, I, I read a lot and surprisingly uh, had a lot less television time. I, I watched probably the least amount of television in maybe a three or four month span than I've done in years. Didn't. <laughs> I all of a sudden I like want to hide behind no, my laptop because no, it's no, been no, the complete no, opposite. No judgment. You know what? You you've got a child. Yeah. Home. You know I don't I don't have a child. You know, and so it's it's. Uh, it's yeah, but I'm neglecting my child when I'm watching all the television. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you know you need that television from a little bit of sanity from the child. Yeah. Or, or something for the child to do, or something. You know, I mean, I could I know what it was like having to spend hours. You know, in um, you know, in the in this apartment for for days, weeks at a time, yeah. and are only outing to possibly get groceries or something like that. And so, I don't judge anyone. <laughs> Whatever you did to get you through. I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. Yeah, know? we are in a pandemic. <laughs> right. I mean, that's like exactly. anything that's hard. I saw there was a tweet that was like, you know, when you have a hard time doing something right now, add mm-hmm. the words in a pandemic after it. So mm-hmm. I'm having a hard time keeping my apartment clean in a, a pandemic. pandemic, you know. <laughs> so it, like, it's like, oh, yeah, because this is this is yeah. a massive thing. And so uh, for me, like I'd always had a plant or two, like, you know, whatever. But uh, especially when I, I traveled a bit more for work, especially theater, you're away for months at a time, or maybe I would go down to LA for pilot season and you're gone for you know, months at a time. And yeah. so it's not easy to keep those plants alive. And so I've always had some, but not many, but now in the quarantine, I was like, oh wow, I've got to. It was just something beautiful in all the chaos, I think. You, you have know. a number? Do you have a number of plants? Have you counted? I'm ashamed. <laughs> It's fine. I watch so much TV. I watch all the. I watch all of Netflix. So um, over fifty. <laughs> My <Yeah>. jaw actually. <laughs> and are they like like are like is there a, okay? First of all, mm-hmm. uh, actually now I have a lot of questions. Do have you named any of them? All of them have names. And you remember all fifty names? Well, some of the names are are in combination of what the name of the plant is. Yeah. You have <laughs> so, like a daisy and you're like, you're daisy. Hey, well, daisy. Well, like, yeah, I've, I've got uh, like a poinsettia and, and her name is Pointy. <laughs> you know, okay. Not, so it's not like you have to remember, you, you know, know, like... I've got, yeah, I've got like one, like a, a dumb cane whose name is Dumb Cane. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or Dummy, you know? It's like, so they don't, uh, they don't necessarily, some have like particular names, you know, uh, but mostly they... They all, they all ha- are named to help me remember what kind of plants they yeah. are, and that's kind of important. So, and yeah. do they have, um, do they have personalities? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like I just got uh, my my latest plant. I just got an oxalis, and an oxalis. It's this beautiful purple plant that it almost looks like butterflies, and so. But in at night they shut down, and in the day they open up. <laughs> 
Oh. And so every night you see this, you can and you can put them on a time lapse and you can watch them open. And so they're just beautiful, you know. And uh, but a lot of them, you know, just watching how they react to the sun. Yeah, it's just amazing to watch and to and to bring one. I uh, my I have a buddy that. Um, owns a, a flower shop right across the street uh, from my apartment and I went in to get something I think I was getting flowers or something and I just uh, started to fall in love with uh, philodendrons and monsteras and stuff and so I was looking for uh, a split leaf monstera and so I went over there to get see if she had any and she was like she showed me the one she had which was quite mature therefore quite expensive mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh but she said but oh i have a philodendron xanadu and i was like hmm and i didn't know that one but she said i can't sell them because they're not in good shape and so they were in the big buckets you know and i brought them home and and, and i was trying to you know bring them back to life and one was doing okay but the other one was not doing okay so i go in and i take it out of its soil and i wash it away and it's infested with Worms are eating at its at, at its roots. So yeah. I, I clean it all up and I propagate it in water. And so all of them died of the three pieces that I could save. All died but one. Yeah. And I save that one, and that one is now growing beautifully. So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and the other one is is totally. It, you wouldn't even recognize it. I can't wait. Uh, maybe another month or so, I'm going to photograph it and, and take it to her and let her say, like, this is what happens to your babies. I save them. They're alive. They're beautiful. And they say hello. You know what? Okay. So, like, so like full full disclosure, disclaimer, or whatever, I've killed every plant oh. I've, I've ever had. And I think it's it's like a lack of confidence. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't have the the spark and honestly the only plants that I've kept alive are in Animal Crossing where I have what mm-hmm. I th- what I thought was called a monster uh but mm. you've taught me now it's called monstera <laughs> but I would listen to a podcast where you talk so okay. beautifully okay. about plants plant life with Marcy <laughs> and welcome today we're going to talk about the african mask which is a, 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 a what is that alocasia <laughs> so I've got those two of those too. Oh wow! So, yeah. Okay, so we are not a plant podcast, <laughs> okay. but um, and you know I have all these questions about you know and I want to get into your origin story mm-hmm. and I want to talk about you know your the, the the different worlds that you inhabit mm-hmm. and and all of this. But I did notice that um, when I mentioned Ruby mm-hmm. and Strange Empire, mm-hmm. which I described as CBC's fearless and gone too soon mm-hmm. Western. You said amen or yeah or, yeah or something. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I I fell in love with that show. You too. So <laughs> so quickly. I mean, I had the opportunity. I visited the set, mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. so I was like, look at this every like it's just it was the first. I'm like maybe we- I never thought westerns were for me ever. Yeah, never ever. And then that show, I was like, wow, like. I didn't know that that stories like this could be told mm-hmm. in that genre, mm-hmm. you know. And then and then also the performances of all of these incredible, you know, like Vancouver talent, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yourself and mm-hmm. like Ali Liebert mm-hmm. and like Amory DeLuise and oh, you know yeah. like Terry Chen. Terry Chen. Yeah. yeah, like we had we needed this, to get to know his you know, character or just, even more. You know what? It, it, it was just beautiful in my opinion, you know. And I say this as an American living in Canada that Canada needs to champion more of its own artists, mm. you know? And so we we also, you had, you know, uh, 
I forget her, Tatiana Williams, I forget her name, but she, we had a couple of other really wonderful actors uh, from uh, from Toronto, yeah. you know, and... Kara. Kara uh, and Tatiana. I mean, we had a really wonderful cast, you know, who these actors are now really doing really well. Like, mm-hmm. she's on The Expanse, killing yeah. it over there, you know? <laughs> yes, she is. And, and so it's like, I don't... It, it, it's a little heartbreaking because I, I everyone knew we were coming back. You know, like everyone knew we were coming back. It was, it was it, like we were just looking forward to season two. And yeah. I was really looking forward to season two because it was going to be a big season for Ruby. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when it, when they pulled the plug, it was like, but I thought we were like, we were the first show of that new CBC mandate, yeah. you know, of diverse stories and for, you know, as far as uh, gender and as far as uh, race and, and ethnicity. And so it was, it was, it was quite heartbreaking because it was such a different show, yeah. you know? And so, but I, I, I guess we just, I, I don't know what happened. Unfortunately, I just didn't yeah. so no, no one what No one knows what happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, mm-hmm. as you know, I like, so I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole and I was reading to be like, why did they, why did, why did they like, what was it? The ratings was it the cri- mm-hmm. no, ratings were good. Critics loved it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. even some of our top Canadian critics, like yeah. they wrote like angry columns, being oh, like, yeah. "What the hell is going on?" Yeah, it, trust me. I mean, <laughs> all, everyone, everything I read, like I, everyone was kind of gut punched by because everyone knew, like you know what, it, it's like we're we're a new show and we're going to grow. But I think the bones are great, yeah. you know, and just give us the opportunity to tell these stories because when do these stories ever get told? Yeah, it, and it, and it yeah. was really I think ahead of its time in mm-hmm. a lot of ways mm-hmm. and like you know frankly I mean I do I, I I have a lot of nostalgia and positive feelings around CBC mm-hmm. um, a lot from childhood okay. right mm-hmm. you know but and there's like some series that I've really loved over the years but you know like it's it, it almost felt like looking back that mm-hmm. that wasn't a CBC show mm-hmm. it should have been it should have been mm-hmm. like a mm-hmm. you know holding the the, man, the the mantle high and being like this is what CBC could be this is what the national broadcaster can do mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. instead of something that's safe and tries to appeal to mm-hmm. to everybody but like now like a show I think like Strange Empire it's like perfect for like a Netflix or an Amazon Prime you know like yep, shows that are that are like I because I know like I, I look at Twitter people love Strange Empire all over the world you know like all over the world so yeah I couldn't believe like I didn't know my nieces sent me information like oh my god they love Ruby on Tumblr and oh my god I'm like really because I'm not on Tumblr and so yeah you're not on the Tumblr you're not on the TikTok you're not on the (laughs) I'm not on those things it's like at some point you've got to draw the line (laughs) she uh, Marcy to tell me before uh, we recorded that she's not really into podcasts yet so it's on the list but I must I must tell you the list is long yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Um, yes. But, you know, be, like, I, I do want to put, like, I want to I just, I want to give, well, I want to I wanna give Strange Empire and Ruby some, mm-hmm. some respect, you know, because I just, I, 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 I love it. I have a lot of anger about, about <laughs> what happened to it. And I'd love to, I, I'd love to salute you for the work that you did there. And, um, you. you know, what, what were some of the things that you got to do as Ruby that you hadn't had the chance to do before? Well, it was interesting um, because... Right, the casting process for that was so long, and they just had us kind of waiting for a bit. I was in Toronto at the time when uh, the casting was going through, so all of my stuff was uh, via self tape. And I remember I, I was down in New York and coming back through Toronto, but I drove, and there's various museums along the border, you know, from because there's so much history there. Yeah. And I just kind of felt in my bones that I, I was going to get this part. 
Like I just I just understood her so well, yeah. and and so I I stopped in uh, a few of the museums and I got all these wonderful books about uh, women that had been slaves during those times and, and what it was af- like afterwards, what it was like during. And this was some of the actual stories of, of, of real women, real people, you know, uh, real black Americans that had made the trip to Canada or that were still along the borders or maybe they didn't make it or, and, and just these really wonderful characters. Stories so we, that we haven't really that we, heard That we either. haven't heard at all. Yeah. We don't know these stories. You know, it's like we, we know about Harriet Tubman, but what about who are the people that she helped? Yeah. Let's let's hear those. And so, you know, and so kind of along those lines. And so when I got to set, um, uh, our, our showrunner, Laura, who's amazing and, and creator, I as an actor, I've never had that kind of input into a script. I mean, we had this massive ensemble cast, you know, and so I'm thinking, well, even the most talented of writers and showrunners or creators, you, you've, your brain can only be split in so many ways. Let me help her help my character. Yeah. So I gave her the books that I had read, and it was great because I'd see her the next week on set, and she'd be like, "Oh, Marcy, I read this," and so I'm like, "You read it?" <laughs> you know. Yeah. And it would appear, you know, somewhere in the script or echoes of some of those, you know. And so that was just beautiful to have that kind of you know, um, relationship with uh, the producers and then, but also input into the script so that the stories, that all the characters were being, you know, considered yeah. and, and real stories were being, That's you know. That's really so, powerful. So that was, you know, so it was, when you say you miss it, I'm like, I miss, I've, I've never, <laughs> I've, I've never had that opportunity before and I haven't had that opportunity since. So yeah. that was a really special time for me, you know, during that. And like I said, and just to work with all those wonderful actors and, uh, and and it was great because we had this wonderful set out and I think Aldergrove, way 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 out. In the it movies. was far. <laughs> there were like so many chickens walking around as well. And, and I was like, well, these cows. are. Yeah, and I was like, oh, are these like you you brought these for the for the show? They're like, no, they live here. <laughs> they, they, they live here. They live like, here. like you're you're their home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and so, but it was great, you know, literally having to walk through muddy puddles to get to set from holding or from your. Tra- and it was so. It, you you didn't have a hard time putting yourself there. Yeah, you know, so much of the great set design and natural setting just was just helped you right from the beginning. So it was it was just a great experience. Yeah, you know? and and honestly, the the show is still it's still. It's still out there, so <laughs> I'll include a link to to how people can watch it. I believe mm-hmm. it's on Netflix in the states, mm-hmm. and then it's on a CBC Gem mm-hmm. up here. But okay. I'll put I'll put all that info in the yeah. footnotes. Like I said, I, I would have never thought I liked um, as a as a kid. My grandmother loved westerns. I never because they were they first of all they were never about women. Mm. They were always about men. Yeah, you know. And so this was the first one that was about women, you know, yeah. women's stories, you know, because we think about all the, like, well, you know, how in the world that we live in, in that time in the on the planet, <laughs> yeah. can you imagine, you know, we, we see what life can be for women now. Imagine it then. Yeah, I think a lot about that. Yeah, you and that was, that was wonderful that the show definitely, it centered those stories. And honestly, Marcy, it's really powerful to know that you, you help to, you know, elevate and amplify real stories, you know, that those real stories actually ended up. Well, yeah, well, I didn't, it's so easy to, cliches are easy to do. Yeah. And we can, you know, especially along that theme or along the theme of a Ruby character, it could get very cliche, yeah. You know, uh, and so I wanted to make sure that Ruby was a full character, 
that was <clears throat> living in a time where still living in the trauma just just you know just post emancipation proclamation yeah. so she just became you know and it's like what do you you know you you think about you know the, the slaves that once they became free many of them did choose to stay for various reasons yeah you know um the slaves never you know the enslaved people never received the 40 acres and a mule they were just set free so to speak and and how do you build a life you know when you basically you have no means you have no education you have nothing you know and and so is is it better to stay with the slave master or you know you can't answer those questions but there's but there's there's so many different answers to that and you can't judge or you didn't we didn't live through those times you know but i can imagine as a woman you know a single woman you know with children (sighs) by her slave master there aren't a whole lot of choices yeah you know and so i was trying to bring as much depth and humanity to that character so and you did well thank you (laughs) okay here's to ruby okay let's let's go back in time Mm mm-hmm I want to I want to know who you were when you were a little kid. Um, what did you What did you want to be when you grew up, and what were you watching on the TV? Well, you know, as a kid growing up in the seventies, eighties, uh, you know, the TV was my babysitter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we went, when I wasn't out, you know, I was fortunate. I, li- I grew up in front of a park, so I always mm-hmm. had this massive park. In in, in, in in I lived in a safe neighborhood, so I was always out in the streets. My mother, from the time I got up, and I was just I was a, an adventurer. And part of the area we lived in was underdeveloped. Um, in front of the house was a park, and then there were uh, railroad tracks, and then another community. And then at the at the end of the block, to the north, um, there was a, like a, a stone quarry. Then more tracks, so the tracks actually intersected there. And so in that other quadrant was all undeveloped and all of that area was undeveloped. So you could go over there and catch tadpoles and snakes and crawfish and so I was oh, wow. I was that kid. <laughs> you know, I was always out and about, you know, off sometimes up alone and then I was also I was um a sports junkie. I was really good at sports. So I was the only girl on the boys' little league team. I was, you know, in any sport I I was really good at, pretty yeah. fast at and, and but also I was also an artist. My mother is uh, a wonderful artist. She's unfortunately she's legally blind now, but before that she was very talented artist. And so I, I guess that kind of got passed down to mostly myself and my sister. Yeah. And so I drew and things like that. But I also started acting at like age seven. Okay, that's a lot to unpack right yeah. there. Because so I'm looking at all this information, and there's tadpoles, and there's sports, mm-hmm. and there's there's art and mm-hmm. and like what did you, what did you want to be then when you grew up and i i, mm-hmm. I asked this knowing mm-hmm. that you know you are in between a few different you, mm-hmm. you got mm-hmm. your you got your feet in well i in different I, worlds my my dad you know he was an interesting guy he was an entrepreneur and he was of that generation of black americans black men in particular that left the south during the great migration for various reasons opportunity and terrorism you yeah. know and so he and his brothers left arkansas and moved to chicago so he got to chicago probably around the time he was 13ish somewhere in that age and you know but he he never graduated high school he started working for standard oil at 16 and and you know I, I had a different life than that, you know. I, I had a life where I had quite a bit of opportunity. You know, yeah. the, the 80s, 
in Chicago was actually a pretty, in, in the States in particular, was, was actually a pretty good time, you know, uh, before Reaganomics totally kicked in and destroyed everything, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. but, <laughs> but up until then, you know, there were, I took all kinds of art classes. I had access to all kinds of, and not because we had money. I, we, I worked in class family. We did not have money by any means. Uh, but I was able to take acting classes for free, dance classes for free. I danced for a long time. I had more training as a dancer than I did in acting, you know. And, and so I, I was always in the arts in various choirs because I sing as well and things like that. And so I was always just one of those kind of people that I could, I could do almost anything. Yeah. And, and because I was so competitive and so ambitious, I did. You know, I, would, I was on three teams. I was on, you know, in two choirs. I was, you know, my I was a Girl Scout. I was the name and I did it. <laughs> you know, I was, uh, I was just quite ambitious like that because I just, you know, I don't know. I was just drawn to everything. Yeah. Everything that was interesting and different, I, I wanted to do it. So uh, I have a nine-year-old, mm -hmm. and she has very clear ideas about who she is mm -hmm. and what she wants. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you ask her, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up, she will tell you. Mm -hmm. She will say, "I want to be a voice actor, and I want to own my parents' company." <laughs> like, okay, we'll work well, for you. There you go. So, <laughs> and so if I if I were to talk to you when you're nine years old, mm -hmm. then and say, "So, Marcy, you know, what do you what do you want to do when you grow up? Who do you want to be? What would you say?" I knew. Um, um, at nine in particular, but even before that, at nine, at nine, year old, nine years old, I knew I wanted to be an actor yeah. and an architect. At nine years old, I designed my first house and my father built it. And so I, I, I was already on my path at that point in my life. Like I had started when I was in kindergarten. I remember my kindergarten teacher, Miss Wilder, she had, remember those old school cassette players where it flipped up like that. <laughs> yep, I do. I remember that. So some of them had a handle. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So I remember her bringing one of those to class and she had kind of plugged in with a with a little microphone. Yep. And I remember she's like, go around the class. I want everyone to t tell, your a tell your name, your full name and what it is you want to be when you grow up. And so when it got to me, I was like, I am Marcy T. Johnson. I used to steal my mom's maiden name because I was upset that I was the only one that used my father's name for whatever reason. That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> and so I was like, I'm Marcy T. Johnson, and I want to be a movie star. Like, I knew that. I always knew, you know, what what I wanted to be, because when I was a kid, um, like I said, I grew up poor. We didn't, there was no vacation. Yeah. You know, if we were lucky, there was day camp across the street <laughs> where the park was. There, They had a day camp in the summers, you know, and uh, and that was it. And maybe a trip down south where my dad's side, my relatives lived, maybe. And that was it. So yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't want to be, I, I always thought I was going to have to do something that, that meant, okay, well, I've got to have a lot of money. You know, because I, I, I didn't want to be poor because hmm. I grew up poor, you know, and I wanted something more. And so I, I always focused on, you know, my dad was like, work harder for yourself. Work, you'll work hard. Don't ever work for anyone. Work, always work for yourself and you'll work harder for yourself than you ever, you know. So he, all these different notes of information or that my dad would pass on to me. I was like, oh, OK. So I always knew at a very young age yeah. what it was I wanted to do. I'll admit I have not met any other architect actors <laughs> at all, um, and you know I I can imagine that mm -hmm. both to succeed in both of those mm -hmm. realms you need to have education mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, 
a lot of experience, you know. And I could also imagine that there might be people, maybe it's even yourself, saying mm-hmm. that you'd need to choose at some point. Mm-hmm. You know, has that like did that happen along the way? And if the and if and when that happened, like how did you how did you deal with that? Um, I've never I've never really had the option to choose. Hmm. You know, I feel like I'm very grateful for uh, what architecture has provided for me uh, as far as experience and opportunity and to, to meet people, to see parts. Even, you know, when I first um, opened my firm here in Vancouver, you know, I got to see my, my, my firm. We've done over 5,000 homes in the greater Vancouver area. I've seen some of the most beautiful properties in the greater Vancouver, and I would have never seen roads that you didn't even you don't even know exist way up the hill on this side of the creek or whatever, whatever yeah. that you would never even know were there. And and I've got to, to meet uh, tons of people, so I'm I'm grateful, you know. And and it also allows me to have an income and a peace of mind that doesn't make me be a desperate artist. Like, I have to do this, I have to do that, or I have to sell people out to get this because it's all or nothing, and, and I yeah. don't have to have that. You know, it, it, it allows me to still make money and have an income, therefore be a bit more picky about what I want to do. It allows me to keep myself grounded in theater, you know, so I don't have to do film and television all the time. Yeah. You know, I can go and take a year or two off or a season off and, and do some theater and kind of get grounded again and that, and then I can pop off to more film and television. So I don't, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for both, yeah. you know, and it's like, if, even even if you study other actors, you know, um, or uh, other entertainers, even you know, most a lot. I shouldn't say most. A lot of them have other careers. Yeah. You know, if you look at you know Ellen DeGeneres, you know, uh, she's 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 an, an amazing developer. Yeah, she you know she flips re- a lot flips of properties. All, <laughs> she flips properties all over the Greater Los Angeles area. You yeah. know, and so it's like you know you 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 look at and, and even other actors, even actors that are producers, that's another deal. That's not acting, you know? And so you have time to do other things or you're a writer or or you're a director. You know, those are not the same thing. They're they're different career choices. They're different paths. You know, they might, you know, uh, overlap from time to time. And so I, I found that there's time, there's time when, you know, Murphy's Law, where they crash at the same time and I don't sleep for days Mm. because both are demanding at that time. There's a little less of that now uh, because um, my my firm is to a point where I'm, I I do the, I do minimal work. You know, I've got a pretty awesome, staff going and 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 I don't have to do as much but but even still sometimes I mean I know some of my castmates especially when I'm doing theater you know I, it's half hour and I've got my laptop <laughs> finishing up some drawings <laughs> or checking some drawings that that have to go out because I've got a deadline and it happens you know it doesn't happen you know knock on wood doesn't happen very often anymore but it but it has happened yeah you know or I've got you know I'm tired I've got I've come in from shooting a 14 hour day but I got drawings that have to be got, you know, looked at that have to be, you know, finished and sent back to my office manager so she can get them out in the morning. And so, you know, it, it happens. But it, it's, I, I think it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned um, <clears throat> that you, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I love how you speak about theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I love 
beholding you, <laughs> beholding you. <laughs> I've beheld you. <laughs> I was committed to that. <laughs> well, because it's also it's very, it's very that turn of phrase kind of captures how I feel mm-hmm. when I go to see you. I've, I mean, I've seen you a few times with Kira Zagorski, mm-hmm. like sitting over, like oh, with our mouths open, or with Amory, De Louise as well. Like mm-hmm. we beholding you on the stage, like. Mm. It, I don't know. I'm just communicate something, but um, you know, I'm I really I'm missing going to the theater right now. <laughs> I know I'm missing it because for me, just as an audience member, like mm-hmm. that's my church. You know, where I go and I sit and I work through all of my big emotions mm-hmm. by watching all of you guys go through, mm-hmm. you know, your tragedy on stage, mm-hmm. and then I get catharsis, and then it's great. Um, but I, you know, like what you talked about being. Um, that theater grounds you. Can you mm-hmm. t- can you tell us a bit more about about what it is about theater, like mm-hmm. what it provides you, what you get from it, and then also how theater informs the work that you do in film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, and I'll just sit here and behold your answer. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll skip to the second part of that: how it informs my work in film. Um, for me, the process is the same. It, the only thing that changes is the timeline <laughs> mm. um, you know th- theater it's it's really having the time to, to, to really swallow those words and 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 listen and and sit and have dialogue with your company and and rehearse that piece and and do research and there's a wonderful dramaturge that's attached to it and a director and there's so many people that really touch this piece before it ever comes to the stage yeah you know and so the first my favorite my my favorite is the first day of rehearsal when you get the presentation from your designers your set designers got this gorgeous model and the the costume designers got these gorgeous sketches and you know maybe your sound designers got you know the soundscape already and and then you get to hear the words with the cast for the first time you Mm. know and so to me that's always my 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 favorite day is the first day and you also get to meet people in the office that you probably will never see (laughs) so it's like the whole company joins in you know to to hear this and to see this you know the very first step and so to me that's something that's amazing but with theater you I've always been nervous about film and television you know and people's like how do you mean like you do theater blah, blah, blah. I said yeah but you know when, when I'm doing theater I've, I've had the script for a year possibly hmm. or months at least you know uh, and and I get a chance to really sit with that script. I get to have numerous conversations with the director. I get so much access to what this script is about. I get to, poss- unless it's a new script, even if it's a new script, I mean, unless I'm originating the role, but even if it's a new script, somebody's possibly done it somewhere else. You get so many interviews and articles and reviews and opinions and things. So you, you have all this to start with even before you even start the program. Yeah. And then once you're in it, you're dealing, you're, you're ripping these these. these scenes apart and these characters apart from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. six days a week Mm. so by the time that show ever hits the stage it's so in your bones it's so in your body you know and and every day you get a chance to do it again and do it better and to find something else and dig a little deeper television moves so much faster (laughs) you know and you don't get the opportunity you know you you may not even meet half the people in, in the whole in the whole film yeah you know you only meet the people in your scenes and that's it you know so this this film might have had 90 days to shoot you might have gotten 10 days look, yeah. at, look at how much you've missed you know of the entire experience of making that film in theater you get to see everything and everyone's involved whether you're the lead or whether you're moving you know uh, 
plants across the stage. You know, you're you're involved. Monsteras. Monsteras. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Across the stage. And so that's one thing I love about, you know, for that moment, everyone is on that ship together. Yeah. You know, and you're sailing across. And so and so I say it, it grounds me. It gives me the opportunity to go back to the text and to explore. You know, um, my it's so funny. Um, my good friend uh, Olivia Chang and I were, were joking, Olivia. joking about because she was she was kind of sh- I was having this exact conversation with her and she was a bit shocked. You know, she's like, I, I can't believe that you're nervous about lines. I said, yeah, I said. And, and she brought up this. She said, she said, but you do it on stage. I said, it's different. Yeah. I said, that's a new play every eight days. It's a new play. Yeah, I don't film. Uh, stage doesn't move that quickly. She, I said. She said. Oh, she said. She said. I, I get that. She said because you're one of the only people I know that will go down and work with your coach for three months before the show even starts. And, yeah. and I do that. You know, I'll go to New York if I'm. You know. Um, like when I was doing uh, Intimate Apparel with the Arts Club a few years back. Yes. And so my coach, uh, Greg Braun, who is um, a disciple or de- descendants from uh, uh, Susan Batson, you know, mm. uh, formerly of Black Nexus in, in New York, uh, they, they also have a studio down in L.A. And okay. so, you know, this was my, my the biggest role I'd ever tackled on stage. And I wanted to be prepared for it. And oftentimes, because of various reasons, mostly budget and things, you know, we we're, mm, rehearsal rehearsal periods have been cut. Yeah. And so we're talking two and a half, three weeks. You know, and this was this character was literally in almost every scene of the play. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I, I really wanted, to, and, and I felt it was very important. I felt it was a very important piece for the community because we don't get to see black stories on any of Vancouver stages, you know, at that time. And so I really wanted to make sure that I did my best and I brought my A game. And so I, I flew down to, um, uh, to to LA, to the studio, and worked with him uh, like a two week intensive, you know, from like 10 in the morning to like sometimes 10 at night. And we just worked each scene and each moment. And my my director got nervous. You know, he's like, what are you, what are you going to use? I don't need anyone to direct you. I said, this isn't about directing. Yeah. This is about understanding who the character is so that I'm easier for you to direct. Yeah. So we're not fighting about that. We only have two and a half weeks before we're into tech. So, you know. I can't believe that play only got two and a half weeks. So that's all, that's all they get. That's wow. all they get. You get two and a half, and then you're into tech. Yeah. You know, and so then, and then, you know, they do a lot of previews as well, but, you know, those aren't openings, and, you know, it's it's tough, you know, and, and we're seeing the, 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 uh, the honest budgets of theater, uh, you know, especially in these tough times where, you know. These unprecedented times, times now these, more than ever. These COVID times yeah. where some theaters may not come back. You know, the theater community, this is really hurting the theater community because a lot of us theater like uh, Andrew Facey, who just, uh, he's one of the best, one of our major uh, set designers in Canada, who just walked away. And it's like, Drew, (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe I'm never gonna step foot on another one of your, I'm like, my heart was broken, but I understand. I understand, it's like, you know what? We don't really know what tomorrow's going to bring. Yeah. You know, and so, I'm I'm happy that there was somewhere else for him to land. Yeah, you know, and we don't know. I mean, honestly, we have no idea what theater is going to look like, I what know. film and TV is going to look mm-hmm. like. Um, 
at the end of all of this. And if you're listening from the future, I can only assume that everything <laughs> is okay and great. It's and great. It's wonderful. Everything. Everything's wrong. in. in yeah. You know, and that's what we hope for. But I'm. I um. You know, my heart breaks for you know artist friends of mine that don't have a fallback. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. fortunate. You know that I have a fallback, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, you know, my firm we went down during the quarantine as well. But you know, we're back. We're, you know, it's not 100 percent yet, but yeah. I'm, I'm grateful that we're back. You know, and and hopefully we can continue to be back. We're we're married to the real estate industry in this town, so yeah. that that in itself is a little scary. But that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different <laughs> podcast. What is a Marcy T House role? Like, when are you the most happiest in a role, or feel the most engaged? Hmm. I think that. Oh, any role that is that is fully flushed out mm. that's a real person you know uh, that 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 it has this character has her ups and downs and she's trying to figure something out because I think we're always always trying to figure something out but she you know that she's active and she she a, a perfect role for me is is a person that's trying to make her reality and her surroundings better than how she found it Hmm. You know, and, and ma- trying to make the world around her better than how she found it. You know, and so, you know, those characters are hard to come by. Because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, they, they just are. Because everyone wants those roles, right? Yeah. Uh, but those are the kind of characters I like to play, which is why I... I shouldn't say why I, but another reason why I do a lot of theater because I feel like you get more opportunity to choose the kind of roles you want. Yeah. In film and television, you know, the, the auditions come, you say yes or no, but you don't really have any choice other than to say yes or no. But in theater, you can go seek out the, you know, from the plays that are out there, yeah. you know, and, and if no one in a particular company is producing that play, then you can suggest that play. I've, I've done that many times. Like, you know what? I know this wasn't on your radar for your season, but, you know, you should read this play. It's really brilliant. It's this, that, you know, and, and so I get to find, you know, and that's one thing I love about theater is I go to find I get to go find these amazing characters to play yeah you know and and you and and there's a higher percent I'm a numbers person so there's a higher percentage that I'll get a chance to play that because if I find that character in film and television you know there's a hundred other women that are going for that because they read it too like oh my god I want this I want this I want this I want this but if I see it in theater I, there's a higher percentage that I can get to do that, you know, even if I can produce it myself, you know, and it's just an easier venue, uh, I feel, to be able to play those bigger characters that are more flawed and they have more depth and, and more responsibility, Yeah, you know, to the story. Is there a type of role that you won't play anymore or that you've never wanted to play either in theater or in film and TV? Um, I I don't I don't like playing the token black character. Mm-hmm. You know that I. It's such a double edged sword, right? Because. You you want to play a character, that's real, you know that's a genuine uh, a genuine person walking this earth and dealing with you know all the, 
the, the things that that life brings but i don't want to play the token you know that oh we we put that character in because we needed diversity yeah we got to tick that we box gotta, we got to tick that box yeah. you know and so and then they put you in but you can tell it really wasn't written for a person of color or the person of color that they hired um, isn't supported in the role um, uh, you know or they use that character I think it's John Boyega just spoke about that in the Star Wars about you know how they used his character yes he did you and know? we'll put a link to that beautiful yeah. article in you know? in the footnotes and so nobody wants to play you know I, I don't I don't think there's any actor of color that that, that feels that you know, we, we want any kind of special treatment. We just want it fair. Yeah. We just want it equal. We just want it balanced, you know, and, you know, we're still fighting for that. We're still fighting for that in, in every aspect of our lives, not just in this business. I mean, just in life in general. Yeah. You know, every time you open up another, you know, article, I was reading an article just uh, just earlier this week where there was a, a interracial couple and when their house was appraised with all of them there it was one value but when the house was appraised with just the white partner the, the, the value of the property went up by th- like 30 or 40 percent you know and so it's it's just it's like Ugh. where do you go <laughs> you know when you when you win it when you want to get away from racism like where do you go <laughs> it's, but you know what I mean, so in the last few months there has been a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of conversation mm-hmm. um, around around especially in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. around elevating and amplifying mm-hmm. black voices mm-hmm. and you know uh, a lot of people who aren't used to talking about racism or white supremacy mm-hmm. are now talking about it or they were mm-hmm. or they had a different social media f- picture for a while or they figured out what the hashtags are mm-hmm. or there are people who mean well but they don't know what to do mm-hmm. um, how, what's your response been to a lot of the conversation specifically in up here in our film and tv community you know around around racism and mm-hmm. white supremacy like do you think we're going in in the right direction or like what are some conversations that we should actually be having well i Solve racism, Marcy. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here's here's how to solve racism. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the answer is. You know, um, intent and impact are two different things. Mm. You know, and people oftentimes have the best of intentions, but that doesn't mean that there's any impact. Mm. You know, uh, there's a uh, a gentleman I follow. Uh, he's called Son of Baldwin. I follow Son of Baldwin Isn't as well. Isn't he wonderful? And wonderful. I, I love him. I think yeah. he's just so brilliant. And um, and he just just put something out. He tweeted something just the other day, just this past week, about this is the point, this is the part in the movement where your white friends basically bounce off. Mm. You know, where your white friends say, okay, well, this was enough of a distraction. Like, we believe, you know, Black Lives Matter, but I want normal back. Yeah, I know normal was a little shitty for you, but it wasn't as bad for me. So you know, and that's not all of our allies, but you know, you, you hear, you you can feel how the energy is dying down. Yeah, you can feel it. You know, and um, I I know when everything popped off for me, like my phone, my 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 text, my email, my message box, Mars, Mars, would you, Mars, Mars, can you, how do you feel, Mars? I'm like, Jesus Christ. 
I'm like, well, I know. mean, was some of it also like you, that people were seeking validation <laughs> from you? Like, you know what? I'm not racist, right? Because we're friends, and you know, some of that, yeah. some of that, you know, and it's like I'm like. I'm not here to make you feel good. Mm. I'm really not here to make you feel good. That's not my job, you know? And if you gotta ask me, there's part of, you know, that's that's a better question if you have to ask, you know? Um, it's, 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 such a, it's, it's such a hard question to answer because so many people are along the spectrum, <laughs> you know. And it is a spectrum. And it's a, it's a spectrum, yeah. you know. And it's like, and, and I don't necessarily fault them, so to speak, because it's like, when you have something that's based in ignorance to begin with, and but it's been washed over our planet, it's been washed over our culture, it's been washed over everyone, no matter what co color you are, yeah. you know, so that it even makes people of color hate themselves the you know their internalized racism there you know and so i don't it's it's hard to i can't meet everyone where they are yeah <laughs> you know and so i just you know i just feel that some things you need to figure out on your own yeah and i'm not here to guide you i'm not here to you know you know i had people reach out to me i'm like we don't even like we, we were colleagues we know each other sure but it's like we don't speak yeah if the only way you could contact me was through Facebook, then we're really not friends because you don't have my number. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you know. Yeah. I, I can appreciate at the core of it, the intent. I know what the intent was. Yeah. I want to do something I don't know what to do. You know, and it's like, so I'm not going to hold that against you, but I don't have to engage in it. You know, and so it's like, I, I hear you, but I've got enough weight on my shoulders. I can't shoulder anybody yeah. else's weight you know and, and and couple that you know with all the other stuff that's going on you know with the pandemic and <clears throat> and you know people dying you know my reality you know being from the states and having lived in most of the hot spots <clears throat> excuse me um I'm from Chicago. I went to school in Louisiana, so I lived down there. You know, I lived in Los Angeles. You know, I've got friends and family in Georgia, you know, and, and New York. I was just in New York all of January, right before the pandemic hit. Oh, you were? Yeah. You right know. before. Yeah, and so it's like I all the major hotspots in the U.S. I have very, very so, you know, when some of my wonderful, you know, buddies, uh, you know, up here where we didn't have you know, the hard hitting numbers like a lot of other parts of North America, or even parts of Canada had, Yeah. you know, they were kind of, you know, lax about it. And it's just, it's just sad and disappointing that people feel like, well, if it didn't affect me personally, it's like, you know, I'm watching your timelines. I'm like, half of my timeline is filled with death. Yeah. You know, just pure death, you know? And so every time I hear, oh, it's a fake or it's, blah, 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 it's da, 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 da. you know, it's just like, <sighs> just breathe. Go grow something. <laughs> you know, like, just breathe. Just you know, because it's hard not to. You know, I I, I always you know, kind of joke with myself. I said at some point, you know, as my 
star c- continues to rise and wherever it, I'm like, someone's gonna, you know, one of those days I just couldn't breathe and I lashed out on Twitter. I'm like, someone's gonna come back. It's gonna haunt me. You know, I'm like, I don't care. It is what it is. It's in the heat of the moment. Yeah. You know, and not that I'm justifying that, but it's like, you know, I'm sometimes it's just, you, you, you hear people's rationale or lack thereof and you're like, wow, did you, did you think about that before you said that? Yeah. That's just heartless. Yeah. You know, I mean, because pe- even people who even people who mean <clears throat> mean well can do mm-hmm. such harm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. especially yeah. in the age of social media and stuff. Right. I know because I'm like, mm, that's just one perspective yeah. and I respect your perspective, but it's only one. And you have to know that your perspective doesn't dominate just because it's yours. Yeah. You know, it's like and so I, I, I sit back and I, I listen and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So so it's been it's been interesting and it's been interesting to watch you know uh how many positions have been offered in those in those times you know how many uh programs oh you know I, like now everyone needs an EDI specialist you know which is basically to to revamp all these racist white institutions that have been discriminating against people of color and you know and and so and so that's been interesting to watch because I have a lot of friends that actually work in that that are behavioral scientists you know and things like that and and to watch uh them you know be touted now all of a sudden it's like yeah I mean the information that people have been saying you know it's 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 infuriating you know because it's like communities of color have been telling you this forever yeah there's never been a time where this hasn't been so you know but all of a sudden you know you know it's not a new argument it it happens all the time it's unfortunately the, the way of our world it's like so the people that are being oppressed are telling you that they're oppressed but you don't believe them until you see it for yourself yeah you know but 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 the the evidence of it is everywhere oh yeah the evidence of their oppression that they're speaking of that you don't believe is everywhere yeah Especially but, in entertainment, <clears throat> right? exactly. It's like from what who you don't see. It's like you know? it's like no. Honestly, they're not lying. Look at those entire networks with no people of color. Yeah, you know, look at those entire this. You know, it's like I I don't know how many times I've sat on a set, and generally, when I'm on a set, I'm the only person of color there. Yeah, you know, I can count on one hand, and I've got well over eighty credits when I've had scenes with other people of color. I can count on one hand how many times I've sat on a screen opposite a black woman. On one hand. (laughs) I can count on one hand how many black directors I've ever worked with. Yeah. I I don't need a hand to count how many black female directors because I've never worked with one. You've never worked with no. a black female director? I, I worked with Hannah Lee Culpepper, who's a brilliant woman, br- a great friend of mine. She actually directed um, Canard, the, the latest Star Trek um, series. She yeah. directed the pilot for that. She's a very good friend of mine. But she oh, wow. When we both lived in L.A., she, I was, uh, she had her AFI project, right, and she okay. cast me in that. That was when she was just starting her career. I was just starting my career. And, um, and I, that's the only time I've ever worked with a black woman. You know, and so it's it's sad. You know, I I, I did an episode of um, Van Helsing, season one, and I got to share the screen with Rukia, <laughs> and, and when we literally yeah. were taking pictures because it doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. You know, and so that's 
you know, I, but I, I'll sit on a set and I'm looking everywhere from wardrobe to hair to the PAs to the gaffer to, you know, to the gaffers to all the different um, ADs, first, seconds, and thirds. I'm looking at all the, you know, the drivers. I'm looking at all the IATSEs. I'm looking at everyone, every, the entire community that makes a, a, a film or a television show go. And nobody's of color. Yeah. And if it is, it's one or two. You can count them on one hand. You know, and so that's, you know, yeah, that's a little sad. That's quite disappointing. I want to be hopeful. Hmm. Well, things are getting better. Things are. I was. I was having. I was having this conversation. I said. I remember when I first arrived in L.A. And like right now, as an actor, I would say it's never been a better time to be an actor because you know our market will always have more actors than we have jobs that's just the reality of it yeah um but we've never we're in this content renaissance you know we we've never needed so much content yeah you know not only do we still have all our same networks but now we've got all these streaming services from the hulus to the amazons to the apple to the netflix we just yeah you know so everyone needs content and then th those services have their offshoots and then the networks have their streaming services yeah. and you know and like then that. in vancouver mm -hmm. we're one of the safest places on the planet to actually film right mm -hmm. now too mm -hmm. so then it's like it's a i would hope mm -hmm. it's a good time to be an actor in vancouver it is but i, I think it's a good time to be an actor period even prior yeah. to this i'm like i think we're fortunate in this market but i think right now because of the the content yeah you know the push for content you know there's just more jobs available yeah you know but, you know, but I remember when I was in Los Angeles for seven years and there, there just wasn't as much work. People didn't work, you know. I mean, there was just a few and the few people that worked, you knew who they were because you saw them on television the night before. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's it's nice now that there's more opportunity to work and there. There are more. Like I see that there's more diversity now. You know, I see that there's the offshoots, maybe the, the Ave DuVernay or the, you know, the, the, hmm. the, the offshoots of the Issa Rays and, you know, and, and, and uh, the Lena, Lena Waits and all those people that are, you know, that are doing their thing, you know, and they, but they've got these various camps that, that there are other places to go to work that you can say, well, I like that kind of, like, like, oh, we actually have genres now. Before it was just Black Hollywood. That's it. But yeah. now, like, no, but within Black Hollywood, it's got all these different tentacles, you know. And that's kind of nice to see. That's kind of yeah. nice to see. Yeah. Um, why do you stay in Vancouver? Um, why do I stay in Vancouver? I mean, frankly, <laughs> as somebody who is like, I mean, I if I could live anywhere else, it would be New York. I mean, because I like, that's like the greatest city. I know I'm whispering, it's the greatest city in the world, right? I love New York. I, I, I wouldn't <laughs> want to live there, but I love New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like I have my, we have our own reasons sure, sure, for living sure, sure. in Vancouver, right? Sure, sure. You know? Well, when I, when I first came to Vancouver, um, I, I, I I wasn't sure whether I was going to stay. I was initially coming for three months. <laughs> oh, okay. It was just for three months. Um, and uh, I was coming to shoot a film and, and also work on the house of the direct of the producer of the film I was working on. Okay. So Ooh, the two worlds meet. The two worlds <laughs> met, right? And so how I met him is I was um, doing a major remodel on his house in LA. and But I was at a time in my career where I was giving up on acting honestly I was going to, I was going to walk away because the work was just too far too far, far between few and far between to book jobs and 
uh, and it was just it was hard it was hard to have that confidence to come in to an audition when I could get an audition and have that confidence when you haven't worked in a year yeah or two years you know which isn't uncommon in LA I try to share with my Canadian colleagues how fortunate we are up here you yeah. know the amount of work we get to do it does not happen in LA you know and so I was getting frustrated and you know, when when you get to a point like that, you know, you're, you're not a good actor anymore. And yeah. you bring that energy in the room. So you become this downward spiral, you know. So I had started focusing more energy on my architecture. And I was going to just leave L.A. altogether because outside of working there, it really just wasn't the city for me. Yeah. And so my client uh, suggested I was doing I was working on his house and doing a two woman show. And so I had invited him to the show, but he couldn't do it because he was actually up here shooting. Right. And so I, uh, when he came back, he was very apologetic about not being able to make the show, but he had off asked whether, he was like, what, what, what are, you, are you, an ar- actress or an architect? I'm like, well, I'm an architect. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, oh, like, that's amazing. Like, this, is, this is how I wait tables, yeah. you know, so to speak, you know? And so he's like, really? He said, well, I'm going to assume that if you have time to do my house, you're not doing that great down here. Have you ever thought about moving up to Canada, you know, and so essentially uh, that's that's the first thing that sparked it because at that point I didn't even know North Van- North Hollywood existed. I, I didn't know what was shot up here. I didn't even know this, this market existed. Oh, wow. And it had never really crossed my mind to think of acting like a regular job at that time. I was still very precious, still very much on a actor. I'm an actor, (laughs) film and television. I'm, you know, in in, in that preciousness, you know, and so I never thought about the fact that they were, you know, sending jobs away elsewhere, just like any other industry in the world, outsourcing work, Yeah. you know? And so when I figured that, I'm like, oh, and so, and because of my architecture and NAFTA, I was able to immigrate to Canada. And so I came up and I, and I was ready to leave LA. It just, it just wasn't a city for me, yeah. you know, and I was ready to leave. And so when I got here, and I, I'll, I'll never forget, it was June 15th, and it was just the most beautiful, beautiful, clear blue blue day, blue sky. And from Los Angeles, Interstate 5, which is a major interstate through L.A., mm-hmm. it ends right here in Vancouver. Yeah. <laughs> it's Oak Street. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And so you get here, and I know when, you know when you're coming in the city from the south on Oak, you hit about... 43rd, 35th, and you're high up, yeah. and then it drops you into the city. And you see that, and it was just beautiful. The mountains, you could see the skyline, and I, and I knew I wasn't coming back. Hmm. Like, I knew I wasn't coming back. And, and then things had happened, like this was also post 9-11, and I knew, like, I don't know what's going on, man, but I'm, I'm getting out of here. Something ain't right. Something's, yeah. like, very, very, very wrong. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know what it's going to be. You know, I had, had a sense of dread that something I had a very, really bad you know, it's like, happen. I said, well, my spidey senses were telling me, A, that for our administration or whomever to, to, to pull this off, and get away with it. That means that it's it's a litmus test to mm. me for something else. Yeah, you know. And they got away with it. You know, I look at you know the 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 events of that day and how many of them don't make any sense. Yeah, you know. And so I said, I don't know what's going on. And you know, it'll be in the history books that my 
grandchildren <laughs> you will yeah. look at and then we'll see the truth maybe perhaps maybe you know yeah. but i don't know that i'll know it in my lifetime but right now my gut is saying you need to get out of here yeah you know and so i did and you know because uh of you know the my education and um i came up and uh i stay here because um it's 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 beautiful yeah <laughs> and uh the air is clean when i lived in los angeles uh, los angeles is is the smog uh i have bad allergies and i was of the five, the seven years i lived there five years i was on allergy medication mm. i think i've I've been here now 15 years. I, I barely pop a pill. Very, yeah. very rare. But well, now you have all your 50 your 50 plants as well. That and are, I have all, yeah. <laughs> cleaning my air. I'm fixated on that. <laughs> I, I just, I have so much respect for that. Cleaning my air. But I, yeah. I just felt like, you want to be an actor. You want to work. Does it really matter where you're working? Yeah. Like, I understand we all have various levels of ambition and such. And we're all different places that you can go I said but what was also very important to me was quality of life um, and also and my safety yeah you know um, I, I feel safe here you know and that is worth the price of Vancouver yeah you know because it is an expensive the high city. price, the of, high price yeah. of Vancouver you know I you know I I, I try to tune out as much as I can because I just don't think it's healthy to take that much ne negative energy of what's happening in the states of the police brutality and yeah. you know the infant mortality rate within black women and da 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 da, da all these things that that's me that's you know, it's me yeah. and and um, there's just a weight that I don't feel up here you know that doesn't mean I have not experienced racism in Vancouver hell yes um, but um, it's lighter yeah it's lighter, it's it's different. Um, and if I have to choose, I mean, you know, my safety, I am, I'm always going to choose my safety first. Yeah. You know, we're on planet Earth, you know, there's racism ain't going nowhere, you know, but it's like, what level of it am I willing to tolerate? Yeah. You know, and so that's why I stay. <laughs> um, I usually like to, I pride myself on my segues. I have no idea how to segue from that to <laughs> Julian the Phantoms. <laughs> So we're just gonna, I'm just gonna leap into it. Um, we're gonna talk to Lee and the Phantoms and then we're gonna talk about favorite things, okay, which okay. are things I don't know how to segue into. Um, but Julie and the Phantoms, uh, it is coming out, like it's this month, September 10th, September 2020, 10th. On, on Netflix. And uh, so tell me about who is Mrs. Harrison? Mrs. Harrison is, um, she is the music teacher, you know? <gasps> wow. And I get, and, and I, I, I try to make a parallel because that's how I understand things you know it's it's I feel like it's kind of like this generation well my generation's high school musical was fame yeah you know then high school musical and now in my opinion this right and yeah uh, um, Julian the Phantoms and so you got this really awesome group of kids and they were really wonderful to work with the young lady that uh, that plays Julie and her best friend and the band and the ghost and you know and um, so I get to be Debbie Allen. I get to be the music. Like they, they're, 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 they're music. Yeah. They're, they're, they're musicians, not dancers. You know. be the Debbie Allen of music. 
I know, you know, so because I, I mean, this is someone you have to understand as a young performing artist, fame was God to me. Fame I went to a performing everything. arts high school and I was expecting mm-hmm. it to be like fame. <laughs> I'm like, where's, like, I, we pulled up the first thing, like, there should be a taxi cab. I'm oh, like, there's a dance on a taxi cab. There's no taxi cab. Yeah, yeah. But. Well, I, I, I didn't get a chance to go to a performing arts school. But I wanted to. Yeah. But unfortunately, the only one that I knew of in Chicago was way on the other side of town. Yeah. And I loved where I was. I loved the school that I was in, and my friends were there. And, and so, but but I, uh, so this was, you know, so I get to play the music teacher and, um, and be like a... Uh, young Julie has lost her mom. That's kind of the plot of the story. When it starts off, she's lost her mom, and so she's also lost her love for music. Oh. And so I'm the teacher that is encouraging her to, to find that again and encouraging her to, you know, step back into her musical blessings, so to speak. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You know, also, like, I... I'm just thinking about something you post often when there's like a child. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, Marcy loves the babies, and like I like I love the baby. I do, love <laughs> but baby. Marcy I really loves the babies, do. and I, I really I love I love the baby. And babies for me is like anybody like seventeen exactly. and under, really. Mm-hmm. But I I I love like this generation of mm-hmm. like the, yeah of young people, mm-hmm. and also I mean I have I have a daughter too who. I, I love the arts and entertainment that mm-hmm. she gets to consume now, mm-hmm. you know, as well, because they're dealing with, I mean, even the way that you described, you know, Julie and the Phantoms, mm-hmm. like, they're, they get the opportunity to explore things like grief mm-hmm. in, in entertainment that's age appropriate. Mm-hmm. That we, I don't think we necessarily have the chance to to yeah. do, you know, entertainment that was made for us back then is so, it's mm-hmm. so different, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And it's also, it's, it's just, it's fun. Can, can you, uh, okay, I, we're not going to do spoilers. Okay. Also, I'm <laughs> like, I, we, I know you're not allowed and I mm-hmm. also don't want to know because I'm going to watch this okay. with, uh, mm-hmm. with my, my daughter. Um, but maybe you can talk about like, what were some of your memorable moments from filming Julie and the Phantoms? <sighs> you, so many, actually. Um, well, you know, even just from driving to work, like we shot on the North Shore. There's a high school. I can't remember the name of the high school, but it's right off of Keith Road where it goes up a bit and it splits. There's a high school right there. Okay. And and so it, the high school has a new development where which is still being used by the high school and then the older building. And that, so we had the entire school. And so our trailers were further down right on the water so even to just be there you know Vancouver's just beautiful no matter where you are it's no matter where you are in the city it's just you never beautiful. lose that appreciation you, you don't eh? you don't lose it yeah. so every morning I don't care what my call time was I was just happy to be there right and so then you you, you know you park your car and you get to set and and it was like fame because the, they're in rehearsal all the kids are there like all the the, the the dancers the musicians the singers they're all in rehearsal all the background artists all of them they were all there at one time so you walk in this one these kids are in school these kids are in band rehearsal these kids in choreography rehearsal oh wow all, and so it was like <laughs> you know what I imagine maybe a day on the set of fame might have been yeah. you know and so I was just I was I was like as an adult living out this childhood fantasy, and then you know our our leader was the uh, amazing Kenny Ortega, Kenny Ortega, who's just the nicest guy, yeah, and just 
so in love with what he does. Yeah. You can tell he loves what he does. And he's got, because he's been around forever, yeah. he's got these amazing stories that he just loves to tell you. Well, I was with Donna Summer, and I put on these heels for her, and he just telling them, like, he's hilarious. <laughs> but the kids, like I said, you know, my hashtag, Mars, I love, anyone knows me loves, I love kids. Yeah. And um, I've, this, let's say within the last year or two, I've really got a chance to work with some really talented kids, like yeah. really talented kids who are good people, mm. which is more important than the talent, yeah. you know, that I enjoyed being on set with and enjoyed and getting to know their parents that were there. And so the two young ladies uh, that are the leads, Julie, the, the young Julie, um, she's a wonderful kid. And what I love, I loved how they found her. This is her first project ever. 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 And they did a North American, Netflix did a North American uh, call out, an audition to find this kid. And I love that she's a kid of color, a little Latino girl. And she's she's super talented, super sweet, but so much from, you know, New Jersey. She's so much herself. Oh, she's from She's, she's from, from the States. She's yeah. from the States. And so uh, New York, New York, New Jersey, but she's, she's, she's just that raw kid, raw talent, you know, that hasn't been touched and glossed over yet, yeah. you know? And so, and she's just, she's a sweetheart. And, and everyone, everyone on, like every kid on the show is genuinely talented, you know, genuinely like really working hard and to watch them, but to watch her blossom under a lead to carry a show, yeah. first time ever, you know, and just so I was just, I was just happy to be there. You know? <laughs> I, I can imagine that you just say, you're like, I'm in this beautiful location, surrounded by all yeah. these like incredible people yeah. working then, on the <laughs> All of that. And then I got to sing and dance. Ah! Yeah, so I got I got one little number like just uh, like in this first season my, my my role isn't too big in this first season I'm only in the first four episodes, uh, and so, you know when when a season two comes then we'll see more of Mrs. Harrison. But in the meantime, it was it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in film and television. It was just a blast. I was, cannot it was, wait. It was a lot of fun. Okay, so when it when it drops, I will be. I'll be, I'll be tweeting yeah, yeah, yeah. at you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to, like I said, just to to be around that kind of artistic energy for like twelve, fourteen, because we had long, long, long days. Yeah, and it was just like this machine of all these moving parts, and you just see this band come down the hall this way because they're in rehearsal and they got to get those steps. And and like I said, we had the entire school, so no matter what wing of the school you looked down, there was some kind of activity. Yeah, so it was just it was fun. It was just a, a nicer great time. to be at a high school than at um. Oh, what's it called? Riverview, which is like the other place. Like that. I've shot way too much of Riverview. Sure trust me. Trust yes, me. I can. I can imagine. I feel like I because I watch so much sci-fi, especially. Mm -hmm. I feel like I know those buildings intimately now. I know those buildings you know? intimately now. I've in Riverview. I don't. I'm. I'm sure I've shot there ten times. Easy. Yeah. Easy. I just. I did a. Um, um, what's the Jordan Peele project? Uh, <laughs> The, the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. <laughs> I did a Twilight Zone episode, and that was shot there. <laughs> like, eerie. It was eerie. Okay. Are you ready to play some favorite things? I'm a, uh, sure. So Let's do it. these these questions were developed by uh, our top mm -hmm. question maker here at mm -hmm. Live Air Screen Scene, my nine year old daughter Mari, you know who you've met. I have. She's a little cutie pie. She's Marcy loves a baby. You Marcy loves the babies. <laughs> no, she's 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 literally full of beans. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, figuratively, but I did give her beans on toast for breakfast. Okay. Um, but also, literally. Uh, so, uh, these questions come from her, uh, and then um, some of them come, we crowdsource some from Twitter as well. Okay. okay. Um, and um, very complicated instructions. Okay. 
<laughs> this is about your favorite things. Okay. I'm gonna ask you a question and you answer from your gut. Gotcha. Um, however, the first question is actually I that is it's a new edition from right now. Okay. Um, and it's kind of inspired by Julian the Phantoms. So mm-hmm. you ready to do this? Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. Favorite boy band of all time. New edition. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite locally shot series. This one's hard because. I do you watch TV? <laughs> I do, but it's like I have to. Right now, um, I'm recurring on six different shows. What? So I feel like I, I, I can't choose one. Like I have to choose one that I'm on. <laughs> you know? So I. Yeah, it's a tough. That's a tough that's, question. That's, that's, a, that's a tough one. But I'm I'm going to. Mm, I can't say because I, I can't I can't speak on them. Uh, locally shot show. I love the Good Doctor. Oh yeah, I, the good I think that lead actor. I think he's amazing. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, I, I love the Good Doctor. Really, like he's very talented. Mm-hmm. Like especially if you've seen his other work as well. Mm-hmm. Like his his range, his range. He's got off range. The charts. Yeah, yeah, his range off the charts. I I, uh, I got a chance to. Um, a good friend of mine was in town shooting a guest spot on there, so I got, went and hung out on set with her. And you know, just the nicest guy. Yeah, you know, you know, important, eh? You know, it, for number one, so important. Yeah, you know, and so, but just the nicest guy, and, and you could tell just his energy was just really light and beautiful. And I was What's like, his name? It's Freddie, right? Freddie something. Freddie Highmore. You know what? I'm gonna full, go. full 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 disclosure. I am the worst person you'll ever meet with names. And can you hear that? And, and, and anyone knows me, I'm, I'm sure they're going to hear this and, and laugh. It's Freddie Highmore. It's true. It's Freddie Highmore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But, um, and, and I, I guess I can give this away. Um, I'll be recurring on The Good Doctor this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't think that's a secret. Well, well, no one knows, but it's not a secret. I, I don't, I don't think I'm. You heard it here first. Yeah. Exclusive. Yeah. I, I, I can't say anything about it or what it is or anything. Mostly because I don't know it. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's all good. Watch it. It's all good. <laughs> Favorite cartoon character of all time? Woody Woodpecker. Really? I love Woody Woodpecker. I like the ASM- ASMR aspect. It's like <laughs> Woody Woodpecker. Okay. I don't know why. That's that's uh, that's just the first one that popped in my mind. I don't even know that it's true. It's just the first one <laughs> that popped in my mind. Though, I mean, I did tell you what the rules are. Yeah, Those yeah. are the rules. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Favorite karaoke song? Midnight Train to Georgia. I love that, and Gladys I love that you Knight. didn't even think. Gladys <laughs> not, well, here, here's another secret. I'm a karaoke fiend. I love karaoke. Yeah. Yeah. I miss, I would go to like to the Fantasy City mm-hmm. on Robson and mm-hmm. would, like, do like three or four hours. Be the person who's there the entire time. Other people would come and go, but can't do karaoke right now. When I when I lived in LA, my crew, that's what we did. That yeah. was our thing. And we had the spot down in Little Tokyo, downtown LA, that we used to go and like we were regulars. Like they would call us, hey, you guys want to come in? You know, I mean, because <laughs> what was great about it is like we were all actors or writers you know so you know so the talent was pretty decent you know and it was it was fun you know and we were we were so free you know it's like a lot of people do karaoke and they're like like, uh, but we would put on a show mostly for each other but it was but it was it was a lot of fun the most fun though is like when you it's not just about like I I'm gonna sing for all of you Mm -hmm. it's like let's all sing together Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know and like 
I love dragging people who don't necessarily mm-hmm. like love. Like they're like, oh no, I'm not a singer. It's like mm-hmm. it's not about. It's not about that. It's not about. It's, it's about release. It's the release. Yeah. It's the release. I I, I love karaoke. I'm yeah. Karaoke. Okay. Good. I'm constantly looking for people to go on my karaoke list so well, we there can. There it is. We'll throw yeah. my name on there. Okay. <laughs> I mean, karaoke places are currently closed, but when they reopen. Well, you know, when we get to our new normal, whenever yeah. that is. Whenever that hopefully is. Hopefully, there will be karaoke in it. <laughs> Favorite comfort food. Uh, watermelon. Yeah. I'm a watermelon yeah. fiend. Yeah. Like, now, what are your thoughts on seedless watermelon? You know what? I know, you know, some purists, well, you know, it's, what if they, it's GMO this, GMO. blah, 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 blah. Like, you know what? I, I don't care. Yeah. I just want it sweet, cold, and firm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I mean, I actually prefer no seeds because I don't want it, I don't want anything to interrupt my goal of finishing this watermelon. Wow. So having to spit it out or pluck it out, I'd rather just um, give me my watermelon. Yeah, my mom makes an amazing watermelon gazpacho. Oh. Um, Yeah, it's beautiful. And especially if you have it in like half of a, of like a a bowl made of watermelon. (laughs) It's amazing. Okay, but this is another food related one. What is your favorite thing to eat at craft services? Hmm. I, I guess I mean Skittles. old-timey. I love Skittles! Skittles. I was going to say old-timey craft services and not whatever the new normal well, is well, of craft services. I mean, services. I've, I've just wrapped a film, so crafty is different now. Yeah. Um, Tell me how it's different. Well, well, nothing's out. Yeah. Like, there's, there's someone back there. You can't come into the tent. You have to sanitize your hands. And then they have, like, a model, kind of like in like in a store, in a restaurant. You know, you pick it out. Like, they have all the what, uh, samples of everything they have. You say, I want the Skittles or I want a donut that's, or whatever. That's hard. Because yeah, I love craft services. You go and I'm like, there's no judgment because I help myself, you know. <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny. The last day I was on set, the last day I was on set, um... <laughs> one of the guys before we all shut down so this was back in March oh yeah and um, one of the guys on on set was obviously sick he was very sick and this is before we shut down or anything and like he was coughing he was you could tell you could look at him he looked awful yeah and you know and, and people the, had already started murmuring about the COVID and quarantine and all that stuff but it hadn't actually happened yet yeah and so he's on you know just hacking up his soul you know and we're all in the green room and I'm looking at this guy and I'm pissed because I'm like you shouldn't be at work I don't care what because he's you know walking around pissed off that people are possibly assuming yeah and I said I don't care what you have I don't want it I don't care if it's just a common cold I'm like I think this is just very rude and you're not thinking of other people yeah you know the fact that you would come to set this sick you know, and so then, and then he cough, 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 got pissed off because I said something about it. And then he went over to Crafty, and that ruined Crafty for me for the rest of Crafty life. Yeah. I, like after that, I'm like, I don't want to touch anything on Crafty. I, it never crossed my mind before because I'm like anybody else. I'm grazing Crafty like anybody else. But after that, especially right, right before we went into the the quarantine shutdown, and and then to see him just be so flip. Yeah. About you know I I sleep with my girlfriend every night and she's fine and. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, you know. Okay. I, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I haven't. I haven't had a hunkering for crafty ever since. Yeah. Then. Even when I go now, it's just like I'll. You're like I'm good. I'll just bring I'll, my own stuff. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, you know, it's like 
I'm finally I'm finally at a point where the where the where the junk food doesn't look as good as the ba- the, the the healthy food anymore. Yeah, I'm kind of getting to that. Point you know, but too. I, but every blue moon I need my my sugar picker up at the end of the afternoon. Yeah. As well. Okay, you yeah. said Skittles. Skittles. No, do you have a favorite of the Skittles? Red. Oh, red is, <laughs> is good. I like purple, but I also I didn't realize. I guess I was not really um, tuned into what's been happening in Skittles Skittles world mm-hmm. uh, until I recently went. Went to the Seven Eleven and my daughter wanted Skittles. There's like spite, hot and spicy Skittles, oh, sour Skittles, yeah, yeah. yogurt covered Skittles. Yeah, there's tons of different. So um, I I'm really a purist, like man. that. Old You're school. really a purist, eh? I like. I'm, I'm <laughs> that person that goes to the same restaurant for ten years and gets the exact same thing. Yeah. Because that's why I go to that restaurant because I want that. You want. That, yeah, you know, and so it's like, so I'm a purist. I don't. Mm, You're like, I like red. When I like, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm hot or cold. Either, either I really like something, or I don't care at all. Like I don't have any, a lot of in between, you know. So it's like I don't. Mm, I'm like, I'm sure yogurt colors, covered Skittles or chocolate covered Skittles, whatever they are. I'm sure they're fine. I like the original. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I respect that yeah. a lot. All right. Only like two more. But even I, but though I am on the fence, though, I just discovered the sea salt turtles. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. See, 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 I, I was, I feel bad, you know. Sea but salt sea turtles. Salt. And that's up here in Canada. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's usually, like, that sounds like something I would go and buy at the Target. <laughs> well, you know what? I was. <laughs> when I go to Target. Target. I, I ran into shoppers to get whatever I was getting. And so I was coming back to the checkout counter and. I saw, you know, turtles. I, turtles is my favorite candy. <laughs> and so, I love turtles. <laughs> and, uh, and so then right next to it, I see this, you know, the turtles is the red and white, yeah. kind of goldish, right next same bag, but blue, where the red was blue. And I'm like, what is that? And I was like, and it said sea salt. I'm like, oh, I love sea salt. Yeah. And that caramel, yeah. sea salt and caramel, yeah. done. <laughs> like done. Okay, okay, well, I actually have to go to shoppers later to okay. go to the post office, okay. so uh, I will also, I'll... Uh, get it, get it. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I'm deciding to go to the post office right at the now. shoppers <laughs> because I want to get a turtle. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite decade? The 80s. Yeah, it was a good time. The 80s. Yeah. The 80s were great. You know, I loved 80s rock music, the British Invasion, all of yeah. that. Like... I think I, I go through my old like my I've got I've always been an avid collector of music and so I've got a pretty extensive cassette tape collection yeah. as well as a CD collection and like the all the old school stuff you know like all you know from the U2s to the Depeche Modes to oh, yeah. you know I mean name it out of that, that whole era the yeah. Tears for Fears the uh, I mean it's, it's so many of them and so Wham. Wham. Depeche. Oh, I mean, Culture Club. Culture Club. Yeah. So much, right? Yeah. So, you know, so I think about, like, you know, you put that music on and you're just like, ah, oh, and it just takes you back. And, and then it was just, it was just a really great time in my life. You know, yeah. I think of those, those years because uh, I was still a kid at that time. And, yeah. and I think of, you know, what was going on in my life, you know, as far as sports and, you know, I had, um, all of my family was alive, you yeah. know. I, I think about stuff like that, you know. Um, yeah. I look at my family now, and you see the holes, the holes of getting older in people in your family die, but also, you know, deaths that are, you know, COVID or whatever, and, you know, dealing with the pandemic that we're living through now, or, you know, and so I think of the 80s, and I just think of 
a really awesome time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think of that. I think of the 80s being a really awesome time. You know, and, and it's just when you're a kid before you find out that you have to pay those bills. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you find out that responsibility is now yours of, of, of adulting. Yeah. You know, and adulting is, you know, they, they don't tell you the truth about it. <laughs> you know, and I, I it's, it's, and they might as well because it's not like you can avoid it. <laughs> you know. You know, I, I just, I, I feel, I'm re- I'm really feeling what you're what you're <laughs> saying right now too because you know I, I have this nine year old mm-hmm. um, probably mentioned more today mm-hmm. than I usually do but that's because mm-hmm. I know that you love the babies, love the babies. Um, but you know she's definitely at a point where she's so excited to grow up mm-hmm. you know and she talks a lot about you know like like th- that she wants more independence mm-hmm. and she cannot wait well to be double digits you know and mm-hmm. to, and i remember turning 10 and being excited about oh, that uh, as well but mm-hmm. i wish like i i I'm also now that parent who's like, I want you to just like enjoy do what you this. Can. Enjoy, enjoy this because it's not coming back. Yeah. Enjoy. But I w- when I was her age, I never wanted. I enjoyed being a child. Yeah. Like I had a pretty cool childhood. So I never. I don't. I don't recall. I'd have to call my mom and ask. But I'm almost positive um, that I wasn't trying to get into older stuff. I mean, yeah. like like becoming an adult. I, I enjoyed being a kid. I enjoyed you know, the leeway that I knew I was given as a child to make mistakes or to make assumptions. Like I was aware of uh, of, of how much I could do as a child with no responsibility. I was aware of that and I loved it. Yeah. You know, I didn't want, the only time I wanted to be older, uh, I remember when I was an ingenue, an actor in my 20s and I remember- I love that word. That's ingenue. why I smiled like that, like ingenue. And I, and I hated it. I hated it yeah. because I knew I would read some of my the, the auditions I would get and I'm like this is garbage like I don't like I, I'll never forget this audition I was in Los Angeles at the time and um, auditioning I had a, a big audition over at one of the studio lots and I was so excited about it but I remember getting the sides and I'm reading it and it was just the worst it was just it was like I, my, my character was crying and upset because my boyfriend didn't like my poetry and you know and and, and I just I hated and I, and I used to always say I can't wait to get older I can't wait to get older I can't wait to mm-hmm. have those better roles and so it's kind of nice to now be at that age that I wanted to be because now you know I can think of even just you know just this year alone the auditions I've had in in our quarantine pandemic time have I've gotten some really nice you know even even you know if nothing ever comes out of them then so be it but even still it's like yes yes this 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 yeah this exactly yes I see her she's full she's flush she's flawed she's human yeah you know she's not you know exposition you know which I get a, 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 a get to play a lot of because I play a lot of cops yeah you know so exposition 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 you know the, enough I'm like no oh I'm important to the story Hmm. oh my goodness oh wow she's she's you know she's 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 ballsy she's intelligent she's she's challenged she's fighting some she's this and she's but she's all these things yeah because we are all because we are you know so it's multitudes so so I'm I'm happy to finally get to that point in in my career where those kind of characters are the the bulk of what I audition for now so that's kind of nice that is 
That's reassuring. It is reassuring. Yeah. You know, it's like when this was a hashtag, it gets better. I'm like, it does get better. Yeah. <laughs> it gets better. Hashtag it's get better. Hashtag it actually does. It actually does. It does. You know? Okay. Well, you know, we've kind of, now this is a good segue. This mm-hmm. is my last favorite question. Okay. Um, and this is not from Mari. This is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is your favorite piece of advice to give to emerging actors mm-hmm. who want to do what you do? Run. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. No, you know, it's like I... If, if it's in your heart, if it's in your soul, you're going to do it anyway. So be smart about it. Mm-hmm. You know, get your education, train, you know, love what you do. You know, don't treat it as just this precious thing. It's a business. It's a job like any other job. So be smart about it. Do the same kind of research you were, you know, if you wanted to be, you know, uh, a teacher. You know, it's like, well, what kind of teacher do you want to be? And what what kind of system do you want to teach in? Do you want to teach in public or private or monastery, you know, Montessori rather? It's like, what what kind of, do you want to be elementary, high school? Do you want to be a college professor? You know, what do you want to teach? You you say, when when we've got all these other professions, we, we can literally narrow it down and be that specific and pinpoint what exactly what it is we want to do. Oh, I want to be an architect. What kind of a residential, institutional, commercial, retail? Yeah. You know, what, you know, do you want to write spec books? Do you want to, you know, what do you want to, you know, what kind? If you want to be a doctor, you know, you, it's, but it's oftentimes I find that we're not very specific about what kind of actor we want to be. Yeah. You know, and so I think that you need to be specific and honest with yourself you know, um, and about what it is, whether you want to be an actor or whether you want to be a celebrity, because those are two different things. Yeah. You know, and no judgment on either, you know, uh, do whatever, whatever moves you, you know, but be, be specific about it and be clear about and honest with yourself about what it is that you want, what it is that even attracts you to the work. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, uh, so I think that honesty and, and that honesty that you need to have with yourself, you bring that to your work you know, and find as many places as you can to hone that craft and know that it is a craft, you know, that the, if you really want a career in this longevity, I, I still study, I still go work out with my coach, I still, you know, I'm, when I can, I'm in class with Cassini, you know, she, he's provided this awesome space for working actors to come work it out because, because we're working, we often don't have a chance to be in a class, so, yeah. but he created this nice safe space, you know, amongst our peers where we can work. You know, and so it's shout out to John Cassini. And shout out to John Cassini. <laughs> shout out to Railtown. Yeah, yes. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, and, and, and know that, you know, that's for the rest of your career. You know, yeah. just like any other profession, doctors still go to seminars. They still take classes. They, you know, the learning, no matter what you do, your learning does not stop. Yeah. You know, and so, and then, and, and, and try everything. You know, you, you may, I don't, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. You know, try everything and see where you fit. Yeah. And, but surround yourself with people that love you even if you are just delivering the mail you know mm-hmm. don't you know have real genuine people in your life because this can be a cruel and unforgiving business you know and and it's never going to love you so surround yourself with people that do so it doesn't matter what happens at work yeah you've got a, a beautiful you know family or community to come back to and so I think that's my advice and to and to love it, really love it, and honor it, and yeah. and, and and show that, you know, uh, I think about um, 
you know, unfortunately, Chadwick, uh, Chadman uh, Boswick that we just lost. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I did, did not know him and never met him, but I, as I read all of the stories, you know, and, and, and that's all everyone about, about how beautiful a person, but how serious he took his craft. Mm. You yeah. know, how serious he took his craft. And it's like, yeah, it's like you don't get a chance to even get to those types of roles, you know, unless you take your craft that serious, you know, yeah. unless you train that hard. You know, you don't get to be, you know, Muhammad Ali by stepping in the gym once a week after you've been talking about, you know, having yeah. coffee with your other fellow boxers. You know, it's like it's work. It takes a lot of work, you yeah. know. And so, you know, be, be ready to do the work and be ready to do it for a long time and have fun and be fun. You know, be, be the kind of actor that people want to work with and be around. That's my advice, I think. That's great advice. <laughs> I like having you around, mm -hmm. Marcy, and you truly are undeniably and objectively remarkable. Mm. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here today. Where can our fans find you, follow you, celebrate you on the social media, your favorite well, place? I'm on Twitter. <laughs> Um, under my name or something. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> we will have links too. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> I'm, in our on, I'm on uh, Instagram as well. Um, and, uh, and and I don't I don't have a fan page or anything like that. I I like to write just underneath. Just under the radar. <laughs> just under the radar. You'll come back, okay? I'll come back, I promise. Yeah, that'd be great. And uh, yes, Julie and the Phantoms, September 10th. Netflix. Julie and the Phantoms, September 10th, Netflix. Check us out, but check out the babies. They're so awesome. <laughs> Marcy loves the babies. <laughs> thank you, and thank you to our listeners. Thank you for joining us today. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review if you are so inclined. Five stars, no less. They help us find even more <laughs> listeners. You can find us at www.yvrscreensea.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram at YVR Screen Scene. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Furminger. I'm the only one to blame. And it's edited by Simon Furminger. Special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad and to Tyson Braddock and Paul Furminger. Yes, Marcy, we are a family business. You know what? <laughs> so are the Smiths. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think? Yeah, <laughs> Furminger's do our thing. Um, and also to Dane Davily for the original music. While we are screen scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic, Dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hiring professional performers makes all the difference to the success of any recorded media project. Did you know that the Union of BC Performers, ACTRA, provides agreements for all budgets and types of productions, including commercials, TV series and movies, feature films, from big budget to Canadian indies and student films, animation series, video games, web series, and even streaming video on demand, like Netflix? For instance, our highly successful UBCP ACTRA Ultra Low Budget Agreement encourages and facilitates artistic collaboration between professional performers and independent producers who wish to produce very low budget or even no budget productions. No matter what your budget, we've got you covered, and you too can benefit from UBCP ACTRA's award-winning world-class performers. So, if you need actors, voiceover artists, stunt coordinators, stunt performers, singers, dancers, puppeteers, stand-ins, background performers, ranging across any age or demographic, then just contact us at UBCP ACTRA. Make your project 
the very best that it can be. This message was read by a UBCP ACTRA member. Go to ubcp.com for more information.